Hello and welcome to another episode of the uh, F Theory Podcast. This is Joel. And I am Mike. If uh, I make any weird sounds, that's Mike's fault. I have the hiccups, <laughs> which I'm trying to suppress. But if he says something really <laughs> stupid and I laugh and it, I get really weird hiccups, that's what's going to happen. So just a yeah. uh, PSA out of the gates. They've been extremely explosive as of late. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, so what are we going to talk about today? Well... I guess uh, it is the fundamental, everlasting, lifelong question of what is better, MIDI or audio? Yeah, and uh, I think let's for everybody listening, because we have some people that are less technical, let's kind of go into <clears throat> what the basics are of each of those options. Like, for example, MIDI is, um, it's like a, what's a good example of, what's a good analogy for MIDI? Um, MIDI is... It's like sheet music almost, but for computers. Yeah. 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 So it's like uh, you, you're writing down the instructions um, for the computer to perform that sound, um, whereas audio is very self-explanatory. It's like sampling. Um, you just play the sound. Um, and uh, if you get into it when you're producing, you know, there's kind of two ways. If you If you go with MIDI and you start off that way, you kind of have the flexibility to be able to change the notes afterwards, change the, you know, you can... You can write a a whole set of notes uh, or a whole melody, and then you can just change the instrument you want later. So it's much more flexible. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, I think the thing where it comes in, like, the biggest uh, for that question is when, it, when we're talking about things like samplers and stuff like that. So, yeah. like, you know, when we're dealing with drums, there's a lot of people who will do all their things in drum racks. And then there's a lot of people who will just do... Um, only like audio samples on like a on a timeline. So what do you tend to uh, prefer? So I definitely started off with uh, just samples on the timeline or timeline being like kind of uh, you just drop in the drum here and that's when you're going to hear it. Um, that way you just copy it. Um, the, the downside of that though is when you want to change that drum, you have to redo all the, mm-hmm. the sequencing. So that's a bit of a pain. And so I started that way, but then I qu- pretty quickly moved into doing MIDI and I use samplers now. Uh, samplers and drum racks that being said it's slower to do things so it yeah it slows down the creative process so i actually don't limit myself entirely to samplers if i just am like get the beat down get it done i just drop it in so a lot of times i'll have one or two channels that are just audio some loops um but then the core of my kick drums and the stuff the stuff that i use that i built is all samplers with midi tracks right that makes sense yeah yeah, because, like, for me, I remember, like, there was a time when I tried to do everything in MIDI because the interesting thing about MIDI is that it offers the potential to give you as much control as possible, but at the yeah. same time, it seems to almost make it take longer even though you have more control. Like, in that yeah. sense, like, like if I have a drum and I drop it in and I want to edit the decay time of that drum... Like, if it's just a, a sample on the timeline, I can just go into it and just draw a volume envelope or whatever. Yeah. And uh, especially, like, it, that's super handy if it's, like, one single drum that I want changed the, the length of. Um, not to mention you can have multiple different drums on one, like, in a row, like, on the, on the grid, like, in front of you. And you can actually see the waveform of the sample instead of everything just being a dot. Um, so that's handy. But... If you're dealing with a drum rack or whatever, and you're like, okay, you're writing on the piano roll, and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, like I want this, you know, snare to be like a quicker decay time. You have to like go back out into the drum rack. You have to go to the drum rack, find where that sample is, click on it, go find the decay time too. You have to navigate through like five different menus, and then draw automation to make it do that. Exactly. So yeah, yeah eventually it kind of got to the point where like I started using it less and less for things that needed more specific attention for the 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 detail and like editing of specific drums and then i kind of ended up moving towards just using midi for things that i know are going to be the same every time which will be like the kick drum the main snare drum and like some of my hi-hats and everything else kind of ends up being audio now at this point yeah so that's really similar to me in that you know i went from samples but very not like i didn't really know how to use most of those tools and then i went to midi but now i'm pretty flexible i'd say for house um, one of the benefits that I like with MIDI is I'll have a drum rack with, you know, the piano roll of all of the different notes <clears throat> for each of the instruments, for, for example, like snares and, and, and hi-hats. And it lets you see the grooves and then just slide them up and down. So you can just grab all those notes and move them down one MIDI note, and it's now a new hi-hat sample. 
Plus, I'll okay. have all the different hi-hat grooves that House has, which is really not that many. Um, <laughs> and I'll just... It's, it's enough that you can easily fit them in like all three grooves <laughs> exactly well and you can add the, the auxiliary percussion as well that adds a lot more yeah. layers but you can actually have those on empty samplers at the bottom of your drum rack and that means when you load your drum rack on you can just go grab all those grooves i mean mm-hmm. you can do that with the groove thing as well but i find it's really easy to just copy that midi control c control v and then just move the midi to the channel i like um so i find that really helps but <clears throat> i'm moving to, to using loops more and more making my own loops I'm um, just mm-hmm. chopping and splicing those. Um, do you use, are you mainly using um, MIDI for instruments as well then, or are you switching more to samples for that? Um, well, yeah, that's kind of the interesting thing as well, because like if you're using your own instruments, obviously like you want that MIDI control from the beginning because everybody wants like full control of any patch that they're using, right? Like if, if you had to choose over using like one sample you found versus actually having the instrument that made that sample, I would choose the instrument every time. But yeah. uh, it definitely only stays in MIDI for as long as I need it to, which in some cases is like, it'll still be in MIDI by the time I render the project. But in other cases, I will get to a certain point where I'm like, hey, I'm done with the MIDI part of this. I'm tired of looking at just dots on a screen, and I would rather see the actual waveform, and then I'll just print it out and then start working with it from audio instead and start resampling down into into different chains. So um, I don't know like what is necessarily better, I have heard, I remember watching a video a long time ago. Uh, I can't find it because I've actually looked for it since then. But someone said audio actually sounds better than MIDI. But I don't know if that's entirely true. I think that it should be the same. I think it is the same. But what they're probably getting at is, and it's funny that you don't really think about this until later on in your mixing. When you're doing really complicated mixing, you got a lot of sounds. But being able to see the actual waveform is g- mm-hmm. got to be one of the most useful tools that there is, especially 100%. with drum sounds. You know, if you're layering a kick and a, a two kicks, being able to, mm-hmm. especially the new crossfade tool in Ableton 10, being able to mm-hmm. just drag that back and then just, you know, you overlap both of those envelopes and then you're you're off to the races. And it, the fact that that's so quick, whereas yeah. with a sampler, you have to go in, find the, the attack knob, and then you got to pull it, but you're doing it by ear because you can't actually see the waveform. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so yeah exactly. And so that, that's so interesting. Um, cause like you can do the same thing with both processes, yeah. but I think the thing is like MIDI in theory can be cleaner because I mean, if you can do everything on a drum rack, then you can do all your drums on one channel. But do you really want to mix all your drums by having to like go into the drum rack, find it, go scroll halfway down the chain and like figure out what you need to adjust. And then again, sort of doing it mostly by ear, which like you should be using your ear most of the time anyway. But at the end of the day, it's not that much different than just having like 10 channels for your drums as opposed to having 10 samples loaded into a drum rack that you have to like navigate through, right? Yeah, well, I think but, by cleaner you mean like cleaner your project file, not sound Yes, like it'll look cleaner, yeah. Yeah, I think you can pretty yeah, much sound. achieve the same quality with both. I think that's not really mm-hmm. much of an argument. It's more that what work I think what we're trying to talk about is like which one affects your your production process the right like the the best way which one should you be using in which situations so like when you're trying to be really quick or you're trying to make really complicated sounds audio often works better and i wanted Mm -hmm. to kind of move into resampling because i think what was it two years ago three years ago you were like hey you should learn what resampling is (laughs) and that was a rabbit hole that i went down for a long time and i've moved back to being more meaty especially when it comes midi not meaty (laughs) 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 <laughs> there it is <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to uh sounds drums i i use that as well but um with sounds i'm moving back to that just because i like to have the flexibility but you know there's some sounds you just can't really make with you can never even think of them with with uh like real-time processing meaning like it's being synthesized at when you yeah. play um yeah 100 percent. yeah like you're not gonna you're not going to try and do everything from literally just one sine wave. I mean, maybe you would probably, but like yeah. you're not going to just drop a sine wave sample in there and then drop all of your effects in a row and then like try to process it with like automation for every single thing. Like that's when a synth would probably be a lot easier to use for sure. Yeah. But um, going back to what you said about how um, it's nice to be able to see the waveforms, that's like uh, one of the biggest things I end up telling people when I'm giving them advice and stuff is like bounce your shit down from MIDI because MIDI can be extremely deceiving. 
you yeah. know, like oh, yeah. for some reason, like it'll say, you know, like you, you play something out of MIDI and it says it's this volume, right? And then you bounce it out and you look at it and the waveform is like tiny or not shaped the same way that you think it is just based off of watching your volume faders go up and down. And so as soon as you bounce it out, it's like you can see exactly what's going on in your waveform down to like the actual phase correlation of it. So you can you can definitely make a lot better judgment calls uh, based off of looking at the waveform than you can off of looking at a piano roll, I think. Well, definitely. And especially if you don't have, you know, a perfect studio. And most of us don't have these dream studios where you can hear every single detail. Yeah. If you got a big project, man, it's it's essential to be able to mm -hmm. hear and see everything. You've got to be able to do that as a process. And to be fair, most people do that at the mix down stage. You know, when you, yeah. when you pull all those things, but you can actually bring that a step earlier into your actual production as well. There's no real reason with Ableton. It's pretty easy to freeze a track um, and then flatten it and just create a duplicate below it. Um, and then if you ever need to go back, it, it, you actually end up having, you still have best of both worlds. You got the MIDI and the sample and, you know, you can always jump back to it, but I find that, you know, it's sometimes it's worth just kind of locking it down to being audio only. Yeah, not only for like just like a visual representation of it too, but also just kind of like a time to move forward with the sound sort of thing. Exactly. Bouncing it down, it just really helps you like solidify those choices and kind of like move on to something else. Yeah, and I was going to say that's really the other big thing as well. And it's kind of, uh, it's a technique. It's definitely a technique thing like with house music and with a lot of hip hop, right? You know, they're not, they're just sampling a track. And that's mm -hmm. the vibe. They're really not doing a lot when it comes to that. You're not doing very intricate music in terms of sound design, really. They're just grabbing a sample and moving it along. Do you find that, is there a specific time when you're producing where you're like, okay, I'm going to do that, but you still produce afterwards? Or do you limit that kind of right to the mix downstage? Um, are, are you talking about like spending time detailing a specific sound before moving on? Well, say like you, say you, you're detailing a sound and then you know, you, you basically, okay, I don't want to work on this anymore. I want to freeze it and then be done with it. Do you find that you, you're able to kind of freeze that and actually be done with that? Do you have a process there? Where no, you, you I, know? I'm so bad at that. Yeah. I, that's the biggest problem that I have is, is I like, I will work on one sound until that sound is my idea of perfect in the context of the project, which is actually like, I think a, not a great strategy, but <laughs> it ends up kind of being what I end up doing a lot of the time. Well, and, uh, it's not always bad if especially if you're trying to find sounds you know if you if you're if you're not really sure what you want the sound to be sometimes it is better to keep keep going keep going keep going because you got to mm -hmm. keep iterating on it but from a from a speed perspective i think sampling is definitely quicker if you're able to use it in kind of like final sounds and be like hey i'm not going to adjust this one anymore and just stick with the audio because you're not actually saying you're done like you, you know if you're working on a collab with somebody you send them mostly the stems Mm -hmm. And you're still able to work on the song, no problem. You're just working with audio instead of MIDI. And then if you yeah. need to change a note per se, whatever you do that. But yeah. Um, and actually, I feel like I've seen a lot of this is kind of a universal technique that I've started to seal uh, throughout a lot of like collaborations that I've done or like any project file that I've opened and something that I definitely have started like implementing. Um, I was doing it sort of like kind of doing this this a while ago but starting to see people do it this way more now i've started to like move towards this method which is that um what what i'll see is that they have the instrument on the midi channel above and then the like i'll get the project file and that channel will be frozen and then below it there will be the audio that's bounced out yeah so they're literally like right next to each other all the time so it'll be like midi audio midi audio midi audio and so in those situations, it's like even if I do need to go back to the MIDI and change something, all I need to do is change that and then just bounce it and move it back down, and then it will still run through both processing chains anyway. Yeah. So it's easy to get it back to where it was, even if you have multiple layers of like resampling and reprocessing, as long as there wasn't any crazy stuff done to the audio, like stretching it or reversing or whatever. That's definitely uh, best of both worlds, but it does duplicate the number of channels you've got. And you were yeah. saying that when you, and I noticed this, when you actually have, we're not, I don't know if we know this for sure, but <clears throat> when you have larger and larger numbers of channels in Ableton, um, when you go to add a new one, it has to recalculate the routing every time. Mm -hmm. So if you add one at the bottom, um, or I think it's at the top, right? It has to, re yeah. when you have say a hundred channels, it actually has to do this big process where it goes and recalculates all the routing. And that's why you get that, those freezes when it comes to like adding a new channel in a, in, in a bigger project whereas when it's new it's like you got a new channel boom it's instantaneous so well yeah because i mean like uh like I, and i think this is the case i haven't done any extensive testing on this but i mean imagine this if you're at the very bottom of a ch of a project that has like 100 channels yeah. and you make another channel 
the next channel is channel 101. Yeah. So if you're you're literally on channel 100 and you press control T and make another channel, all it has to do is go, there's a new channel, that channel's name is 101, and it doesn't have to adjust anything else. But if yeah. you make a, a channel at the very top of your project file, you're saying insert a new audio channel, name this one channel one, and change the name of every other channel in your project to like now it's all <laughs> shifted down by one. So not only does it have to reroute all of those just on your sidebar, but anything that you've got going on in the project as far as like sidechain compression or anything that's reading other channels from across other channels, it has to recalculate all of that stuff in the computer, which it does yeah. pretty quickly. But that is, I think, why you end up with those tiny mini freezes. When it's, you know, you, you can't always put channels at the bottom anyways. It happens when you're moving channels up and down mm -hmm. as well. And, you know, you're not, you're not yeah. going to be like, oh, every channel is going to be at the bottom of the project because I want it to run quickly. Like, you've got to bust them together in groups. and Yeah. Yeah, it just, uh, you got to do it that way, so. Yeah. Yep, It'd be, yep. Imagine if you just did a project where you never organized any of the channels. It would be so bad. <laughs> oh, God. I feel like that's probably exactly what most of my projects look like back from when I first started. Oh, yeah. I still have a few that are like that, but most of my stuff is organized now. Man, the very first song, this is a little bit of a uh, tangent. tangent here, but the very first song that I ever made in Ableton was um, 11 minutes long. Tool-inspired? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> what? Like, I kind of. It was like an Electro House song. I had like three drops. Do you have it? And eat, what's that? Do you have the song? I, I do, actually. Okay, you should send it to me offline so I, I can hear it. I, I will. I will. I, I can send. I don't know if I can send it to you right now. Oh, I might no, be no, able to afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll do don't that it right now. But afterwards, I really want to. I need to hear this. It's bad. <laughs> Some of my yeah. stuff is terrible. I told you about <laughs> that one I made. I think it was seven years ago, and I had no idea about what. I didn't even know what volume was, and it was just like <laughs> clipping really hard in the build, super loud, and the drop was just like ten dB quiet. <laughs> but it wasn't even a drop. It was just like the most boring crap I've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, yeah, no, I remember that too. Um, um, actually, funny enough, Lou, um, he was showing me some of his project files, and like, he was just everything was clipping all the way till the end, and then he was just bringing the volume down after the fact. And I'm like, you know that you're rendering all this digital distortion into the sound before you mix it, right? And he's like, oh, what? I thought it didn't matter where or when the volume, like, just not understanding gain staging yeah. at all. And it's it's funny because that is something that is often overlooked. People don't really think about gain staging that way. No. But yeah, try to not do that. Oh, that's actually a benefit of having audio as well, looping us right back. Having mm -hmm. audio samples, you you know, you're pretty much always going to have uh you're never going over zero, right? I mean, uh, yeah, can you yes, go over zero in with theory, a you can. Um it's actually really interesting because of the way that the 32-bit floating point works. So yeah. if you actually take a if you take a sample that's uh if you take a sample and you go into it and then you just jack the volume up so that the waveform goes it, way past beyond it, the yeah. lines if you consolidate that clip it will still know that that information is up there okay. and so it will normalize and it will bring it back down so that it doesn't actually clip any of the waveform however if you do the same thing and you boost that sample up and then you actually resample it onto a new channel, it will render the clipped audio instead. Okay, so if you record it in versus cons consolidating, like I guess it's a different process. And they, they yeah, if they... you consolidate it, it keeps the information. So that does was it in turn the it sample. down then? So it like basically does a it's like reverse it does. makeup. It, it will right? it will turn it back down. Huh. Or or what it will do actually is it, it will um, it, right. No, it doesn't change the sound at all. So yeah. what it, it so what it does it is it render it, it'll actually normalize it so that if you double click where the volume is when it sets it to zero the highest peak will just be touching zero. Just so like zero. when you consolidate it if it's way like boosted like that instead of it like rendering and then saying it's zero volume it will actually render telling you it's already plus eleven or whatever. I actually so I know exactly because it actually adjusts the volume knob. It doesn't <clears throat> it doesn't. Uh, because I've noticed that happening. So say you render it, it'll actually render it, and then it'll show it at like minus 11. Yes, correct. Exactly. So, so it's yeah. normalizing it for you. Yeah, but it's not actually changing the sample. It just turns down the volume knob on the sample itself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Oh, what yeah. a nice little tangent there. Yeah. Um, did you want to get into resampling a bit and like the power of dealing with samples? Because that's something the power. that we, you know, I think we're both, are, we use heavily in like all of our music. Um, Definitely. Can be... Well, resampling, I think, is like 
it's like one of the biggest game changers when it comes to like trying to find yeah. um, good or new sounds because like I find like, you know, back in the day when I was trying to like make all these crazy sounds and stuff, I would always kind of get to a certain point and then it would just kind of be like flat. Like it wouldn't wouldn't live up to the the expectations, excuse me, that I wanted. And it's because I was trying to do so many things out of just the synth itself, yeah. you know, like you get whatever it might be, operator, massive serum. You like you do everything inside the synth. So you're like using serum and you're like, hey, I've used like all my wavetables, my noise and and my filters and like I've gone through all the effects and it's like why doesn't it sound like amazing super polished super like finished sound yeah, yeah <laughs> right out of the synth yeah and it's like that's just not how it works you know if you want something that is like really deep most of the time you you need to go into some crazy resampling which means like you're processing it heavily after yeah um the synth and then um you know Specifically, resampling is kind of interesting because you, in theory, you don't need to resample it down. You could just keep adding more and more and more and more processing. But I think what happens is you get to a point where your processing chain is so long and ridiculous that you're like, okay, I need to like, I need to look at this as if it was one thing now. Exactly, so it simplifies. You bounce it, it down. Yeah. yeah, and then and then start going again. Well, I think I have an interesting analogy for it. So think about like a you know a sound is like a it's like an environment right you know there's all the things that are associated so imagine you start with a sine wave you're in a room that's like the sine wave when you're okay. in a synth you have all these doors which are kind of the options you can use and you can mm -hmm. choose anyone you can start with a square square wave start with a saw wave and then you know with some of the some of the uh synths you have more options so you can go through one door and then you can go through the next door add a reverb <clears throat> and you keep going but at a certain point, there's not really any more options. Every synth has a set of limitations in mm -hmm. terms of how many layers you can go deep unless you're using phase plant, which is another story. <laughs> but um, uh, say serum, you know, you only have so much you can do. You have two synths um, before you start having to resynth or <clears throat> re, uh, resample. Yeah. So with resampling, you know, it's like you're in a room and you have all these doors and you can go through any one of them, use any of the tools you want to do, and then, okay, you're now at a new sound. And you can just do that infinitely. So you just keep going. You're just instantly going, and then you just, okay, this is where I am now. And it's, okay, what do I want to do now? And you can just keep evolving the sound layer after layer after layer. And there really isn't yeah. any reason why you have to stop. So that's the difference is, you know, with the synth, you kind of have these limitations. You can only go so far. But with resampling, it's like this infinite loop where you're just d diving deeper and deeper down these, you know, these paths that can be whatever you want. Yeah, and I mean, even going back into the synth as well, if you wanted to, because you yeah. could process this sound like, <coughs> you know, with a million different things and then take this new sound, bounce it out, and then put it back into the synth as if it was the wavetable from the beginning, right? Exactly. And you're starting there from square one. Like, like it's literally endless. And uh, also, the one thing that you get access to is actual audio manipulation that you can't do with just the processing, yeah. which is like time stretching and and uh you can get kind of close with granular but it's just not yeah. as easy it's it's with with audio directly um anybody that hasn't used the ableton uh texture uh, it's like what what are they called the tones so the, the warping algorithms warp, the warping algorithms in ableton those are a gold mine in themselves you know just mm -hmm. double duplicate the length of a sound use texture and you essentially get granular synthesis right there with a the sample Remember yeah when you showed me that i blew my mind like wow i could just do this to every sound and i just kept dragging it out and expanding it's like you're diving into a sound yeah and then the crazy thing is like you can stretch it to its maximum length and yeah. then consolidate it and then stretch it more if you want right yeah. so you can just keep doing that over and over again just render and consolidate uh, render stretch render stretch render stretch and then you end up with like one sound like one kick drum sound that's like 20 minutes long now <laughs> it's like, like what's hidden down there just slowly a sine wave pitching pitching down <laughs> super slow Sorry, my my uh, my throat's really struggling right now. That those hiccups really did a number on me earlier. Yeah, <laughs> let's have a little water break here. Yeah. Here we go. But yeah, I remember that's when you showed me that that pretty much changed because I never really thought about that. You know, with coming from Logic, um, unless I mean I didn't know about it, but it, Logic's audio manipulation was kind of trash, at least from my experience. Um, mm -hmm. They were like, oh, just load it into ES2, which is the sampling tool, and it's. It, look google it it's literally the dumbest sampler you've ever seen one of the big reasons oh, no. why i can't like it's got one of those really really bad interfaces that's like old 3d from 1995 oh no oh that's what it is yeah that's the default sampler in logic at least when i last used it i was using logic 10 i believe 
doesn't even look like a sampler. It looks like a. <clears throat> And it looks by, like a really bad MIDI synth. By by, oh, is it ES2? Maybe it isn't ES2. I think no, ES2 is that weird. No, that couldn't be, couldn't possibly I, be I, ES2. I think. Oh, well, maybe I'm thinking the wrong one. But there's a there's a really bad sampler that is just it's horrendous. I'll, EXS24. I'll, that's the one. Yeah, it, it it looks worse than ES2. I think it does actually. <laughs> yeah. So I. I it's, it's not very user friendly. <laughs> no, and when you load a sample in, it like loads it for a single MIDI note, and then you have to like go in and stretch it so that it's across the keyboard oh well, my you god know the, you know the key range in sampler how like by default it's like it'll be c3 and when you play it and all yeah that stuff, yeah but yeah uh, that's that's why i came from midi originally because <laughs> logic didn't have this kind of stuff whereas ableton's like oh you have a sound kit, just do whatever you want to it so yeah that's the one nice thing for sure but but on the other hand logic has a lot more options when it comes to midi editing though uh, um but- i've never needed them you know, because yeah. I've had my friends like uh, show me like they're like, yeah, like in Logic, you have t- way more options with MIDI editing. Like you can do things like um, like slice all of your MIDI notes into like different things. Yeah. And, like you can like but it, even then it's still not user friendly. Like you still have to go to like a menu. It's like using Photoshop. You know, it's like using Photoshop versus Microsoft Paint. Like you have to actually like know how to fucking work the program and like look through a bunch of different menus and then like click the right thing and like hope that something was highlighted properly and then it will do the thing you wanted it to so like those options are there but they're not exactly accessible easily whereas ableton you're just like click do do whatever you want you know yeah and i mean i i can't imagine that that kind of a process would lend itself to being very musical either you know it's like yeah it doesn't feel like it would gotta go in drag it out and like be able to slice a midi note into smaller midi notes is like handy but it's also pretty easy to just like shorten it control d control d control d so like yeah Ableton exactly. is like simpler more more of a basic level and it's really powerful if you kind of learn learn the tricks i remember when i yeah, yeah. i've definitely never and that's the one thing actually funny enough I, I was having a conversation with someone on someone else's stream a while ago and they're like oh maybe i should switch to ableton and i'm like straight up like Do i've it. seen many people switch to ableton i've never seen someone switch out of ableton yeah oh yeah it's so it's on, i don't know kind it's of unreal yourself. yeah thank you ableton devs I guess it's yes, actually called you. live, isn't it? It technically yes, it is called live. Ableton, but yeah, because it's able to and do anything. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyways. Uh, I wonder if that's why they called it that. Uh, hmm. Who is that guy who said Ableton? There, there was there was one guy who did like a tutorial online. And, uh, oh, I have no idea. He's like, "Welcome to my Ableton <laughs> tutorial." And he just well, one time like I was looking up times. a uh, uh, one time I was looking up a ukulele tutorial, and he says, "Remember to hold your ukulele." <laughs> that almost sounds like <laughs> intentional. Per- <laughs> ukulele. I said chihuahua once. It <laughs> 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 was like grade six, to be fair. <laughs> I mean, to be uh, to be fair, it kind of looks like that. A chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong yeah anyways every time i've seen ever seen one i'm like oh chihuahua. yeah uh, totally um <laughs> can, can so t- midi yeah. is a lot like um an ukulele and audio is a lot more like a chihuahua exactly i mean that's you're really putting it making it really concise and clear that's uh, if there's anything you can take <laughs> away from this conversation that's that's definitely it yeah small guitars versus small dogs yeah the world is just full of small inanimate objects Except for dogs are not animated. Dogs are <laughs> dogs are totally animated. I, I couldn't think of the word, but that's what came out. Um, Non-human personified objects. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. One another thing I wanted to talk about. This is something that I've been actually starting to mess with more about sampling. Mm-hmm. Um, when you actually start a song from a sample. So this is different than like I feel like you don't do this too much in your production, but I've mm-hmm. actually been writing pieces and then just sampling them. So like recording them down to audio and then using those as like my own samples, if that makes sense. And not like a drum ah. sample, but like an actual loop. So I've been yeah, making yeah, my yeah. own performance loops. Like I'll make a hip hop song or like a chill hop thing and then I'll actually sample that and then use that in another song. Um, that's actually uh, that's actually really smart. Um, Eprom does something very similar to that. I remember watching one of his streams where he was kind of going about his process and basically what he does is he'll make like a, like a kind of like a pseudo loop thing that's just like very simple um actually rather what he was doing is he'd make like three or four kicks that were layered with like a bass sound or like some sort of sound and then a couple snares that were layered with the same thing the sound 
and then throw those into a drum rack and then play a groove on it. So like when you hit one kick drum, it'll be like one bass sound and then you hit a snare drum and it's like a response sound. So you can kind of make a groove out of hitting different kicks and different snares. And then he'd make like a, like a sort of half-assed loop out of that, um, resample that loop and then throw that whole loop into a granulator and then play yeah. that to get some crazy ass sounds. And well, so that's kind of like resampling your own shit too, right? Yeah. And, th- and that's kind of what I was, that's kind of where I'm trying to go towards. It's that, you know, there's certain techniques of production that are like a layer above just simply producing. It's like you, you're producing stuff and then you're resampling that whole production into like another thing. And, and G Jones does a really good job of it. And, mm-hmm. and Eprom you're talking about as well, those kind of sounds where they're really glitched out. I think a lot of the time that's what they're doing. They're almost using like DJ effects on a track and then they're throwing that into the track itself. So, and cause some mm-hmm. of the stuttering, like I think the, the Mr. Bill track you've been working on, I yeah. feel like that glitch breakdown is a similar technique, right? You, you basically made a bunch of little things. Yeah. So that's kind of what them. it was. Yeah, exactly. So like you'll write like a simple, like, like a, a loop. Well, it's not really simple, but it's like, it's like a different idea every couple bars. But then um, instead of just leaving it straight like that, you'll take like the end of one of them and then duplicate it to stutter over into the next bar every couple times. And then that will make it sound like you're almost using like a beat repeat, Yeah. Um, which is kind of cool because when you use DJ effects into a song, you're really kind of breaking the fourth wall that way because you're doing something that you couldn't do in theory unless the song was already finished and then being performed live. Yeah. So to take that concept and put it into the production, you're you're breaking the laws of physics, you know what I mean? Because you're doing something that couldn't have been done unless the thing that comes after it was done first. Does that make sense? It totally. And that's kind of why I was saying it's like it's producing at a higher level. And that's what I was trying to get is like you're actually it's not higher level like it's harder. It's just from an abstraction like you're actually writing a whole song and then you're then glitching that whole song into yeah. like itself. And yeah, so that I think that from my perspective that some of those kind of tracks are my favorite when it comes to the really complicated, really cool stuff, because it's just, it, you're listening to the song. You're like, Whoa, my brain just got like torn apart because you're, you know, you're in the song and then it just like rips out of the song and then rips back in. Like, and that's some of the, I think the trick there is really audio using audio and actually bouncing down whole sections of your track and then manipulating it after the fact, because you cannot get those effects you know, it's there's a whole the whole track will be glitched out. There's just no way you can yeah. do that with it's too many things. You'd have to do too much automation. You have to yeah. copy too many things over. It's much easier to just to bounce it down. And actually, funny enough, when I do things like that in my track, I actually bounce everything I have into a, a bus that I call the fourth wall bus. And then I will do all my weird after effects in that. But again, the most difficult part about that is like when I want to implement those effects, I have to make sure that the stuff that I'm bouncing down into that is already like at a point where it's pretty much done and mixed. Otherwise, you know, like if I wanted to add another instrument to that section, I'm going to have to rebounce out that whole thing and then redo those glitch effects to get that new instrument into that spot that it's supposed to be in. Yeah. And let alone writing a new, you know, writing a new, like changing the notes. Like, yeah, exactly. You, you really yeah, can't pitch a lot of that stuff. Anymore. That's when it's really complicated as well. You know, if there's a bunch of reverb, pitching reverb is like, a big no-no in my book sounds pretty bad. <laughs> I've tried it a couple times, but... Pitching reverb? What do you mean by pitching reverb? Well, like a big reverb sound, and you just pitch it up. It just, oh, yeah, it, it sounds... can sound weird. You definitely got to do it on, like, non-warp algorithm stuff. Like, you got to just, like, pitch the time up so that it actually speeds the whole thing up. Yeah, I um, guess if you use repitch, it's probably not the end of the world. But if you use... Even with uh, Complex and Complex Pro... Yeah, it uh, sounds bad. It, you're just... I think what it's doing is it's picking up on the white noise and trying to, like, uh, apply the algorithm, and you can hear, like, the digitalness on it and reverb should not sound like that <laughs> yeah no it definitely sounds weird and it's actually really funny because like um hold on i just gotta turn this heater thing off it's really annoying no problem like it's funny because i've got i've grown to, to hate that sound so much that i can recognize it right away because it sounds kind of like um really bad compression on like an old old video you know what i mean like yep. way back in the day when you'd like the audio just gets completely destroyed by the video compressing down to like 280p or something you know what i mean uh it just sounds all watery so it's kind of like along those lines but like uh, i had one of my students he was like um stretching a uh, like a uh, a white noise risery sample thing yeah and he was stretching it on complex pro and i'm like i can hear this digital weirdness in it like immediately and it's like 
You might think that's cool, but I'm telling you right now, it's not because everyone recognizes that sound and we yeah. know that you're warping it on the wrong algorithm. Definitely. It's that, just weird. And I think what, I mean, I'd actually be interested to dive into, that's definitely a rabbit hole that I should look into, like how those algorithms are actually written from like a, mat, a code standpoint, because I'm sure they're pretty interesting. But mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think what's happening is they're designed to pick up on pitches, right? So they're designed to go after like a pitch and then they actually are, are doing some kind of, it's because it's all granular, right? Like that's really the only yeah. thing you can do, but they can just make it sound better. So it's granular with some tricks. And I think when you provide white noise to it, it just wrecks it because basically it's trying to find a pitch in the white noise. And what you're hearing is like the algorithm scanning around trying to find a pitch, and but it can't. So, so I think what's happening is um, with complex, it's dividing all the frequency ranges into specific grains and then picking the closest next one to fill in the blanks. So mm. when you're speeding a sound up, you're just cutting out um, samples. You don't need to worry about it as much. But when you're slowing a yeah. sound down, the computer has to guess what is going to go in those blank spots that, that don't have any sound in it, right? Exactly. So yeah. it's just grabbing the closest thing um, based off of like a specific grain size on Complex Pro or on Complex. But on Complex Pro, what I believe happens is you've got the um, those two knobs, the, the envelope and the formant. So the envelope knob is actually a crossover band to where the white noise section is. So what happens is it's... Wait, um, for which one? For so Complex so Pro? on Complex Pro, the envelope one <laughs> is, it's literally the crossover point of, of white noise. So what happens okay. is... Um, it's taking everything below that crossover point and shifting it using the complex algorithm. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. then everything above that point, it it shifts it with complex algorithm, but then it formant shifts it back up. Got that it. actually might be the reverse. I think that is the reverse. It shifts the white noise stuff down normally and then and then it'll take everything below that, put it down, and then formant shift it up or down, which is why you can pitch vocals on complex pro and it will sound more like a natural voice instead of getting that weird like low robotic sound because actually uh, holding some of those harmonics it's keeping the yes. harmonics intact and the the the, the timbre of the harmonics it's keeping those intact and then exactly. it's yeah and then it's not but what happens is interesting if if it were to for formant shift the whole thing up then you get that weird um shitty sound in the high end it doesn't sound natural so what it does is it's, it's essentially only formant shifting up the part of it that you want which is why it gives you that control over the 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 envelope and the and the formant amount so that you can kind of like dial it in to sound closer to the natural tone of what it was supposed to be yeah, so but I it think, ends up sounding really bad on on actual songs. Oh, which is yeah, funny. Yeah, I do, I use Complex for my live set for tracks. Yeah, you um, gotta. But what was I was gonna say uh, my favorite is actually Texture. I figured we'd go into it and chat about them a little mm -hmm. bit because they're all pretty interesting. Texture yeah. is basically direct granular synthesis. Um, you've mm -hmm. got what's the other? No there's well, there's the pitch knob, right? So like how much you're doing to it, and then the only knob you can do is the grain size. So it's it's basically and the flux. Uh, what is the flux again? So the flux is actually similar to the spray knob, and what that's doing is it's Wait, vibrating the, the actual what's the amount. Knob? What's the spray? The spray. <laughs> You're just saying the spray knob. It's like no, when like... you, you know, the thing on the end of your hose when you change it to like you know fan or jet. It's it's just similar to that. It actually makes a lot of sense. It is funny enough. It kind of does. So what? Um, the spray knob is the one on on um, grain delay, which yeah. is actually adding a modulation to the grain size. So what happens okay. is if you turn the flux up. It will flutter the grain size back and forth um, over a certain degree. So if you're bending something like white noise, if you turn the flux up more, it will sound more natural and it will sound less computerized. But if you turn the flux all the way down, then you get exact grain delay. So you get that like, yeah. right? But with flux on, it's more like, like it stutters, right? It's Stuttering. like kind of weird. Yeah, it's not consistent. Yeah. Um, yes. So it sounds more wet. It'll sound more wet with the flux up. Especially for white noise, yeah. Well, so that one's fun too because with gr any granular synthesis, if you shorten the time down enough, so once you get below like 50 uh, milliseconds or whatever, you essentially start turning into a pitch. Yes. And so you can basically re-pitch tracks. The only problem with that is you lose all ability to, um, you know, be in key. It's like, okay, yeah. it's just it's You just really whatever, have to do by ear. Whatever it is. So, um, although there's a lot of types of music that that does not matter. So yes, my favorite thing to do is to automate the grain size that's like my favorite thing in texture yeah yes i don't use tones that often tones is really good for um any sort of static note that yeah. is um 
it, like especially like bass notes with any sort of like upper harmonic frequencies on it if you're stretching those and you use tones mode it will actually keep it more consistent okay yeah it's easier to keep the pitch um mm. at whatever the pitch was do you have to dial it in with the tone knob i don't usually ever have to change it that huh. much interesting yeah surprisingly it doesn't seem to affect it that much like it is it is a grain size knob again but it doesn't uh, it doesn't and it also goes in steps too like it seems like it changes in steps almost it will if the pitch is changing so that's the okay. thing is like if it's if it's a consistent like one note then yeah. tones no tones mode is really good for one long note but if you're working with like many notes and harmonies and like things that are shifting up and down it'll it'll sound weird and steppy yeah yeah. Oh, yeah the, beats mode. Beats mode. Last one. Yeah. Beats is cool because you basically, well, I almost never leave it on transients because it's kind of hard to really do it properly. Yeah. But it's cool because you can basically turn anything. It's like an envelope that is to the clock of the track. I heard Dr. Dre had a lot to do with making the algorithm for that one. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> you actually delivered that very cleanly. Like At first I was like, wait, that's a joke, right? I couldn't really tell. Beats, beats mode by Dre. Yeah, by Dre. Nice. Um, so no, what the, what beats mode does actually is it treats every transient or every slice, depending on how you it, set it up. Yeah. It treats that as if it was its own like sample on just normal unwarped like repitch mode. So if you're changing the pitch, um, and you'll notice this the most if you grab a drum loop and you put it on beats mode and you shift the pitch up what happens is it will actually shorten the length of the sample yeah. um, from the transient point to like properly so it is the most clean oh. adjustment of actual sound but then what happens is like if you're shifting it up uh, so it squishes that note but then it will have dead space yeah, yeah, yeah and then it will trigger the next one so the you've got the multiple algorithms so the one if you have it just gated with like the arrow with the the thing then it will play that note and then it will get to where there's no more information and it will just have silence until it, he sees the next transient information yeah but it's it's um default set to play this way and then back so what you'll actually get is the drum sample will hit and then it's sped up so when once it gets to the end of the sample it will start playing that sample in reverse until it gets to the next transient and then yeah. it will keep going that's why i normally turn it off but you could actually almost use it as like a transient shaper as well Almost. Yes, you can. You just have Absolutely. to re-pitch it, like pitch the sound up, con con uh, consolidate, and then bring it back down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super interesting. Um, but yeah, that's the last one. Well, there's also re-pitch, but that's just like slowing it down on a turntable. It's like Yeah, you that can't just actually it. removes your ability to change the, uh, the, the pitch. pitch using the transposition knob, yeah. and it just pitches it based off of how you stretch it, which you can get some really interesting sounds with if you're yeah. like shifting things over because it'll, it'll make one of them like lower, and then the next one will be like all high pitch and stuff. You can yeah. get some pretty weird uh, artifacts if you do that too. Yeah, that's good. Well, let this be a sales pitch for anybody that is not on Ableton yet. You can use this on any audio sample, which is really handy. You can take anything and just consolidate into audio and then just immediately start manipulating it. And if you're a Logic mm -hmm. user, like I used to be, it's a game Or Fruity changer. Loops, too. Yeah, Fruity Loops. What can you do that? I've never even really looked at the... Fru the no, no, Fruity Loops is a nightmare, just like Logic. Really? I, I feel oh, like... dude, it's the worst. I, I mean, I'm like, I shouldn't bash other programs because there's plenty of people who use just Fruity froze. Loops. I think you just froze on uh, Parsec one sec. Okay, picking up uh, back where we were. Yeah, Fruity Loops. Fruity Loops yeah. is uh, also a nightmare as well. And I don't know tons about Fruity Loops because I saw someone trying to use it way back in the day. And I was like, this is, nope, not not for me. No. But uh, basically, like, if you have audio and you want to, like, do anything to it, like Ableton, you have to, like, open a plugin and then record the audio into that plugin and then go into that that sampler and then do all of your editing and then save that sample as a thing and then you have to drag it out of that plugin and then put it back into the project and it's like that's a big nope for me there's no yeah way. that's a hard the, hard hard wet no i already hate having to wait for consolidate because it actually like renders the sound i already hate doing that if you had to wait in real time and listen to the sound every time i would lose my oh mind. yeah oh yeah <clears throat> every time it's night every time yeah. that's like using some of those oh dude i really need to get that granular synth from you again the one that's really cool the one that you oh, bought. uh stream stream i think so yeah sorry that was just a side tangent but <clears throat> yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll hook you up with that again. Yeah. Fruity Loops. I haven't even looked at it. I've looked at, what's the other one? The one that has, oh, I'm, I'm totally, I don't even know. Bitwig? Reaper? No. Maybe it is FL. Isn't there another one that's similar to FL that's not FL? 
it's like a, I don't know, I'll figure it out after. Maybe it is Fruity Loops. It has like a citrus in citrus? Citrus? Yeah, that is, is that, that is FM. FM. Okay, yeah, because I actually wanted that FM synth. But let's go citrus. through the list of of DAWs that people use. Okay, yeah, and but I don't know anything about most of them. Yeah, me neither, but let's just see what we can figure out. There's obviously the Ableton. Yeah. And then um, Reaper, which is like yeah. crazy fucking crazy oh what's the one with the patch chords where you like you drag that's reaper that's reaper okay so that's yeah that's some of them what's the name of it this type of design where you like emulate how it was done physically and i think that's yeah yeah. so reaper is super interesting because it's it's designed for people who are like really into modular synths yeah um because it it literally looks like it has got the patch chords and everything and like all the routing is done that way and there's no I, uh, I don't know if they've changed this. I think they updated, but it used to not uh, support any VST usage. It was only, like, in-house stuff. You had to use only Reaper shit. Um, so, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. Well, uh, then there's, like... Probably... It's probably because because of the way they did the routing. So the routing yeah. was probably so integrated that to enable VSTs, it just wouldn't work. That's my guess, but... Well, yeah, it makes sense completely honestly like like because if you wanted to route something i mean they could have definitely done it just it would just be like a unit kind of like in ableton how it like shows up as a black thing in yeah. the bottom of the screen and then it's like in and then out and then you can only have the in and out right but that's probably what yeah that was, program yeah. was crazy oh yeah i'd actually be interested in trying it out that's like for me i want to each daw should have something about it that makes it interesting if that makes sense mm-hmm. like uh you know if it's like logic from my perspective is like a mac clone of pro tools Yes. They're basically the same op- uh, application. Anyway, so moving on, Pro Tools is the other one. That's like what all the pros use as their main tool. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I do. I was, if you didn't, I would have. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's a, I, I mean, it just is like a very linear DAW. So it's very similar to the Ableton, I guess, the regular channels mode. What's that called? Session mode? Yeah, it's pretty much the same as just normal. Yeah. Uh, no arrangement. Arrangement view. view yeah. yeah. Arrangement. So it's just like yeah, it's pretty much the dog. same, except everything's on the other side. <clears throat> and there's an um, argument that it sounds the best, and everybody's like, it's got the best sound, which you know it yeah. pr- probably has some special sauce, but oh, you can really hear those yeah. perfect sample rate, especially when you're listening on on like laptop speakers. So. Oh yeah, I mean <clears throat> everyone can tell the difference. Yeah, there's a lot of people that shit on Ableton. They're like, you can't make it sound as good as Pro Tools. To be fair, there is some truth to that when it comes to like the EQ. Like the EQ in Ableton is yeah, not, not super sampling, good. so like the high frequencies do really weird stuff. Um, so you should yeah, probably you use something better, like Fab Filter Pro Q3. Mm-hmm. Shout out. Um, but yeah, Pro Tools is like the the thing that everybody uses. Plus, it also integrates really well. There's like hardware by is it Avid? Yeah, Avid and all the yeah all that stuff. We've tried to talk about it before, and we always forget the name when we're trying to bring it up. The Apollo stuff made by Avid. No, that's UAD. Oh, UAD, yeah, UAD is what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, UAD. Whoops, oh, we fucked it up again. <laughs> but Avid is Pro Tools as well. No, but Avid and Pro Tools are not the same as UAD. Those are different. That's correct. Yeah, yeah yes, so they're correct. separate, yeah. But Avid is like, they do they do DAW stuff. They're less with the, I think they do hardware effects uh, acceleration as well. But I think Pro Tools doesn't have any effects itself, right? It's almost entirely just you use it as a VST host, right? I'm not 100% sure on that. I've never actually used it. I don't know it. enough about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, more along the lines of like the the electronic stuff because there's there's a couple other programs like yeah. um audacity like pro tools the audacity yeah Classic. actually people do use audacity did you know paul x stretch is part of audacity really yeah that's oh. where it came from that's the really guy cool. who made paul x stretch also made audacity paul x audacity that's makes sense because it kind of looks like windows 95 <clears throat> paul x stretch is really cool as well just google it it's it stretches free. things. It's free, and there's a VST, a 64-bit VST version. You just have to go dig. Comes for with it. a guy named Paul. Yeah, and Paul X. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going nowhere with it, and I tried to think of something, and I just went nowhere with it either. So, <laughs> uh, good old Paul. Yeah, good guy. Um, yeah. So Audacity. Sorry, I completely derailed you with saying Audacity. No, that's okay. Other it's programs. actually really funny. I I used that as a joke one time. Someone hit me up on Instagram. They were like. Yo, what DAW do you use? I was like, Audacity. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, wow, that's really cool. I have to check it out. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> I didn't know. It's open source. <laughs> just like the joke was like, yeah, like here's them. And then here's the joke. Just like. <laughs> yeah, I've used it for, I use it for, I actually still use Audacity for uh, when I'm taking my Zoom recordings and I'm editing them because it's actually handy for that. 
because uh, you oh, really? need to see the waveform and then you can cut. So you just basically can cut away the crap. It's handy for taking single samples. It's not really a DAW though. It's more just like an audio editor. Yeah. Actually, funny enough, I the very, very, very first thing that I ever no second it would be the second thing I've ever made was uh, I used uh, I used Audacity for it and it was essentially a recreation of the Harry Potter puppet pals video. Um, <laughs> Except I was just saying different names of fruits over and over again, stacked on top of each other with different rhythms. Wow! It, it seems like there's a whole album here of content that could be released. Yeah, yeah it's great. It's great. I should definitely find it. Yeah. Um, fruit song. Yeah. So then other DAWs. If you like um, Ableton but you like Linux, you can use Bitwig, which mm-hmm. is I think one of the Ableton devs branched off and made one that's cross-platform. The only problem with that is I've I want to use Linux. I'm like I'm a fanboy of open source. But none of the good VSTs support Linux. So yeah. if and like, the, you know, they're the way that their licensing works at all. It's just a complete nightmare if you try to use it on Linux. So mm. kind of a dream of mine. But like, I don't think it makes any sense to really uh, choose a DAW because because of the operating system, unless it's Mac. That's why I switched off logic. Ableton's nice. Yeah. Got both. But yeah, Mac. And it's funny because Mac used to be like, if you do audio stuff, get a Mac like that used to be the thing. Right. And I feel like. Ever since like Steve Jobs just not wasn't you know, him anymore, yeah. Like it just uh, everything kind of fell to shit. Yeah. Well, uh, this is a whole conversation in itself, and I have to intentionally fight back my anti Mac. But I, I used to be a Mac. I used to have iPad, iPhone, Mac, MacBook Air, and that was back in either 2013 MacBook. Mm. And I think they, from a software standpoint, you know, it is better than Windows. It's easier. It, it's when I when I say better, it's you don't have to think about as much crap and you only have so yeah. much space in your head. So when a lot of that stuff, you don't have to worry about like drivers and all that crap. It just works. It gives you more time to think about other things. And from a music producer standpoint, that's really good. Plus their, you know, their audio driver stuff just works, which is really the yes, biggest thing. It's just stable. core audio. It just works, which is probably where that came from. Um, mm-hmm. And to be fair, windows audio is still a steaming pile of shit. Like, it's, so <laughs> it's so bad. bad. It's horrendous. <laughs> The yeah, you have to have an interface. You cannot run Ableton without a fucking audio interface. No. You're doomed. Or not only that, you want to have, um, it's like, oh, you have an interface with eight inputs. Oh, sorry, you can only use the first two for anything in Windows, if it doesn't support ASIO. It's like so stupid. Anyways, there's probably a workaround for that, but I've downloaded all these random applications to try to figure it out. But from a Mac standpoint, it's just so much easier. There's there's a good yeah. utility called like Audio MIDI routing, and you can actually do routing and stuff. So. Macs are better for that standpoint, but back in 2013, they were making really good hardware, and it wasn't crazy overpriced, and I think that mm-hmm. they kind of moved into more of the luxury goods market. They were more focused on the design, which they were always kind of focused on before, but you know, when, when, when they're charging three or four times as much for the same thing you can get on Windows, people that are artists that just, you know, they're trying to make ends meet, they're not going to buy the Mac because it just costs too much, and I think that in combination with windows getting their shit together with windows 10 it's not the best obviously the automatic updates suck but it's much better than like windows 7 is a nightmare like i tried using it recently and i was like oh my god you have to install drivers like what they should just be automatic right yeah but yeah it's silly but uh it's kind of funny like a counterpoint on that is like uh when we're talking about logic versus ableton I find that logic functions more like a Windows program, and that's why it makes it so much more difficult to do things quickly because you have to go through a bunch of menus. Mm -hmm. And so, like, like the thing about Mac is like it's impossible to customize your shit the way you want because they don't they don't even have those options for you. Like, whereas Windows, every single option is there, and it's kind of a bitch because you have to like know what every single thing does. But if you understand it, you can do anything you want. Yeah. But uh, and so that's like logic. Like if you understand every single option, I'm sure it's just as good as Ableton. But Ableton has been simplified to the point where it's like you just kind of do the thing you want to do, and it just does it for you. Exactly. But at the same time, you know you can max for life. Like you can basically yes. go in and do all that stuff yourself. If you want to, you can go way deeper than I, I'm pretty sure that's definitely like max for live is deeper than anything you can do in law lo- in, in live or yes, 100%. Uh, in, in, in logic. So, or any other DAW, I think for that matter. Yeah. Um, or may, maybe reapers like the one exception, but, but is yeah, Re- does reaper let you do stuff like that? Well, you said it does crazy routing, right? Reaper. Is that one? The one with the cables? I haven't mentioned reaper yet. Oh, maybe I was thinking of Re- another one. Oh, are you thinking of, um, oh, wait, shit, now I can't remember what it's called. The one that we were talking about first. We should make notes. Uh, <laughs> shit, what was it called? Uh, uh, I thought it was Reaper. 
No, it's not Reaper. Reaper is like a, like a normal, like broken down version of Pro Tools that's it, good for Windows. It's a free, yeah, it's free audio okay, program. Yeah. It's like one step above Audacity. Well, if you uh, listen to us, you'll know what we were saying, but we've completely forgotten. It's the one. Yeah, it's the, the oh, fuck, I can't even remember. It was the first it, one um, we talked about. Yeah, it's the orange dots one. Um, DAW. <laughs> so there's DAW on, on Google. Um, let's see. Um, Bitwig. Nope. That's. <laughs> it's not. Ten, 10 best DAW apps for recording production today. I'm sure I'll find it. I just oh. literally can't remember the name of it right now. How, how do we forget? Um, but this is. This is no. this oh, is my why, God. They don't even have it. This is why you want to simplify your life when it comes to computers because you can only fit so much stuff in your brain. Like, we just forgot what we were talking about. Reason. Reason. Okay. I think we said Reaper when we were talking about it. Did we? I meant reason. 100% yeah. I meant reason. But, uh, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> That's hilarious. Anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah, Reaper is another one that I was going to mention. It's it's a free um, free DAW that you can download for free. Really? Yeah, it's actually free now. Um, but it, it's uh, it's actually got a decent amount of shit on it. Like, if you don't want to spend any money and you want to get into audio production, just download Reaper. It does pretty. It's like it's better than GarageBand. Like, yeah. it's, it's pretty much like a, it's almost like Ableton, except like just broken down a little bit, you know. But it's got a bunch of effects in it and stuff. Like, you can do some stuff, some fun stuff. Well, you can probably learn most of what you need to. Just you could probably yes. spend eight, six, eight months in something like that. And it's actually, I'd highly recommend that for anybody because it's worth trying things out and doing that before you dive in like you know i bought i thought you were just said before you die I was like, <laughs> yeah i'm getting serious with you guys um, it's worth doing it should be on your bucket list uh but like with interfaces for me <clears throat> i'm just now buying like i'm what five, probably five years into music interfaces and i've just bought exactly what i want now and mm-hmm. i'm kind of i went into getting like a pro interface um mm-hmm. and if i bought what i wanted if I had said, oh, you know, I want to be a music producer, I, I'm going to buy this one, I would have been completely wrong. So sometimes it makes sense to just try out the free alternative to, to you know, dip your feet in Figure the water, <clears throat> see if you even like that kind of production. So, mm. so before I, you die. my Yeah, before you die, before my lungs cease functioning. <laughs> <coughs> Dude. Whoa. I, uh, I I biked earlier, and, uh, and then I told Mike, I'm like, look, if you make me laugh, my lungs, because I bike really hard, and my lungs like suck from after it. Uh, I do have like mild asthma, and then he he said like some really stupid words. Perth, Perth, Perth. Started laughing, and I immediately was taken being for like. Uh, luckily, it actually ended just before the episode. It so. ended right before we started, but damn, yeah. those are some heavy hiccups. Yeah, well, the worst part too is when we are setting the podcast up. I have to listen to uh, a monitor of the mix <laughs> to get everything dialed. So when I hiccup, I hear my hiccup. 200 milliseconds later echoing so it's like when a hiccups like <laughs> like it's all these really <laughs> annoying things and then i laugh because that's funny and then i hiccup again that's a nice little feedback loop yeah it's a uh, danger and then yeah. we, we actually got a pretty intense feedback loop when we opened up discord for a second that was great yeah we should record that sometime i think that was was that discord yeah it was discord yeah that was yeah. fun stuff yep um anyway off screen stuff yeah um Okay, so yeah, coming back down to it, the other uh, the other ones that I know about are uh, Cubase. Actually, uh, oh yeah, a friend of mine uses Cubase. I I know a lot of people that maybe I don't know anybody, but I heard that people <laughs> potentially use Cubase. As soon as I said that, I'm like, actually, I don't know anybody. I think I may have at some point, but it was a while ago. It, it was yeah. It's uh, you'll find a lot of the older cats use Cubase still. Yeah. Um, anyone who's been in the game for a long time is probably using Cubase. They're uh, dialed into their setup exactly that's yeah. one of the things right and it's like there's no reason to switch if you already know your way around it because you've just like you've spent all this time learning it and then yeah. you know how to use it so you might as well just keep using it well it's like if something came out that was better than ableton it would be hard for us to switch you know because we have it all would. this preset it would be very difficult yeah and i mean even when bitwig first came out i mean i was kind of excited to try it but then it, it eventually like when it did come out like and when it came down to it like ableton was just better still and i never ended up even making the switch to try i've never even tried um did I say Cubase again? I meant to say um, Bitwig. No, no, you said Bitwig. I did just say Bitwig. You said Reason. Did I say Reason? No. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just Bitwig. Bitwig. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I'm not yeah. saying. All right. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> no, you said, you said Audacity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Windows Sound Recorder. Windows Movie Maker. I only make sounds yeah. with Windows. It's actually a great granular synth. <laughs> you just... <laughs> Are you, are you serious? No. Windows Movie Maker? No, I have no idea. You probably could I mean, do pretty crazy granular synthesis just by like 
recording a video and then making the video like two or three frames and then just like duplicating it a bunch of times and then render the video and then turn the video into just audio exactly yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's worth a shot i've done some crazy stuff like that before well if you want to be truly unique you gotta use windows movie maker (laughs) use paint (laughs) there's no audio microsoft paint yeah anyway actually funny enough there was a bug in microsoft paint way back in the day if you took a screenshot of a youtube video yeah and then pasted it into microsoft paint and then pressed play on the youtube video on on the on your browser the video would be playing in paint and you could draw on top of the video are you is that okay did you watch that on april 1st no i did it by accident what that's crazy yeah a hundred percent. I wonder if it still does it. That's a kind of a crazy bug for a, a program that only does not animated things. You're now I know. just playing an animated video. I did not understand it, <laughs> but I was literally drawing on top of a playing YouTube video. That's like copying uh, audio from like a YouTube video and then it just playing video in Ableton. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, a, a video just pops up. Uh, which could Ableton does have that feature, but yeah. I understand what you mean. Like throw it in up like an MP3 file, and all of a sudden it's like playing video. Like Ex- what? Exactly. Yeah. Whack. Very whack. So, um, MIDI versus audio. Yep. That is the uh, that's we definitely covered everything. It's uh, <laughs> getting back to was it Chihuahua and it's like one. comparing a Chihuahua to a uh, oh god, what was the other thing? Reason. The <laughs> <laughs> <To> reason. <laughs> Uh, there's no reason to ever chihuahua. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's really it. We didn't really talk about anything important, but we talked about how we... <laughs> but it's all important. It's Yeah, it's all important, especially the, the meandering conversation. Yeah, 100%. What are you doing uh, this week coming up? Uh, actually, I got to finish up my set for the little show that I'm playing. Um, got a question for you about that, by the way. Nate was wondering if uh, you're going to be playing some... Uh, some songs that we've worked on together, potentially. Uh, I definitely might be. Nice. I'll pass the information along. <clears throat> yes, yes. Definitely. Gonna, yeah, it's going to be a lot of... Um, I'm going to try to play as much unreleased stuff as I can. Cool. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a short little set. For, How long? Uh, for so, so, it's just a half an hour I'm playing okay. for. That's a, that, yeah. You have trouble fitting your songs into thirty into an hour, so that's going to yeah. be... <clears throat> just play them at double time. Just, just turn your Half sample time. Tur- turn your sample rate to 96 kilohertz, but leave it in 48 in Ableton. Yeah, yeah and play everything like two, an octave lower than it's supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. 250 BPM. That's where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> 250. Oh god. Oh, oh, you want me to double? Oh, you actually do want me to double time it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, this is that way I can play like twice as many songs if they're all like, twice as fast. Right? Exactly. Yeah. You play an hour long set in 30 minutes. Right, right, right. And then I'll just tell everybody to record it and then play it at half speed for <laughs> exactly. the full experience. I was literally going to say exactly that. <laughs> yeah. But they have to record it at 96 kilohertz, otherwise it's going to sound weird. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to stream So get your interfaces ready. Yeah. <laughs> get your interfaces ready is something you should tell to every Twitch viewer. That, yeah. Like people have their own. Go buy interface. another computer. <laughs> Make yeah. sure you route it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so that'll be fun. You're doing that. And that when is that? Thursday? Friday? Saturday? Uh I think it's on uh it's on the eighteenth. I don't know what okay. day exactly that is. I think it's a Friday. Friday. Cool. Yeah, it's a Saturday, it's a week from today. Oh cool. So yeah, a week from today that, that festival's happening. Festival. Oh yeah. Yep. Um and then I've been mad I, I gotta actually have to re- work on a remix for uh, Big Gigantic. And you're done with the Mr. Bill one? That was. Uh... I am almost done with it. I think there's a couple things that I'm going to uh, fix up and change and, and edit and, and just try and make a little bit better. But at this point, it's done enough that I can send it off to him and, and yeah. be happy with it. So I'm just waiting for to see him stream again, and then I'll send it over. Cool. Got to get the yeah. reactions. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing, right? Because everyone's been waiting for me to do it, right? And I really wanted to finish it in like a couple days, and here it ended up taking like two weeks. But That's still very fast for how complicated it was. <clears throat> Is it? Was... I don't know. I feel like it's slow sometimes. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, there's, the, I mean, it would have taken you one week if it would have taken you a couple of days if you did one drop, but you did like three basically because yeah, that interlude true. section is like cooler than most songs I've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. The old glitch section. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that one was fun. Yeah. But uh, other than that, uh, yeah, just working on music. What about uh, what about you? You got anything going on? Well, you can probably tell I by see this, that your uh, your desk looks weird. Yeah, this is. Uh, uh, I've got a little bit of a green screen, more of a green desk going on. I've been mm. uh, messing with those graphics 
uh, OBS shaders. You can actually create custom shaders. And I've been making weird visualization stuff with a uh, with a green screen and my my mixers and whatnot. So I'm just doing my like Ableton Live set with my APCs, but then doing some weird green screen stuff. So I've been been streaming that, which has been fun. Um, yeah, it's definitely really cool. You should check it out. Yeah, it's uh, and it's cool because it's like it's not just the video or it's not just audio. I actually have like something that's somewhat interesting to look at. Which yeah, is, it's the age of interestingness, right? Everyone's got to be entertaining somehow now that everyone's stuck at home, right? Exactly, yeah. So it's trying to make it somewhat bearable, and I'm streaming that on Twitch. Probably, I, I've been trying to figure out a schedule for it. I think once a week is too much because I, it's not that I can't do it. It's just that I don't have enough fresh music to do it mm-hmm. every week, and I don't really want to just repeat myself. I don't mind yeah. doing that, but I kind of want it to be fresh every time I do it. Yeah, at or least I, one new song. No, like I so far I've done four and they've all been completely different genres of well when I say completely different genres most people would say they're just house but for me they're very different vibes like a whole different track list um, but I think I'll probably do it bi-weekly and I'm going to try to set a schedule for it um, and I should be able to because I need about 20 songs 25 songs and then that's good for an hour yeah yeah you Sweet. just I thought you froze there for a sec but you were just oh yeah no so, I just haven't moved so I'm just so solid yeah I am. I am solid, <laughs> not gaseous. <laughs> what? Not porous. No, no. Ga- Absorbent solid. and yellow and porous is me. No, no. Like gas versus liquid versus versus. Oh, gaseous. Solid. Yeah. Yeah, gaseous. yeah. Well, let me just sublify here. <laughs> Sub- <laughs> sublim. Isn't it sub sublimate? No, no. Yeah, yeah. Sub sublification. Su- su- subliming. That's a sweet word. When I heard that in mm. chemistry, I was like, "This is the coolest thing ever." Yeah, I was like, wait, something can go from a solid to a gas? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's... called exploding. What? It, solid to Well, a... if something explodes, it would go from a solid to a gas. Yeah, vaporizing. Yeah. Vaporizing. Okay, well, I think on that note, we are our conversation has devolved fully. Uh, th- <laughs> thanks for listening. Um, if you are listening to this, you should check out our sound design challenges that we've been doing. We yes. think we're doing the Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. We are thinking of doing some kind of a competition. So, yes. um, you just have to record a little video. It can be as crappy as mine because I do mine in like ten minutes. Um, yes, but it's more about the idea. So just yeah, we want to see what you can make. Check that out on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok if you're so inclined. <laughs> yeah, if you're so inclined, I, <laughs> that one might die, but we'll see. We'll see. Every time I open up that application and it blasts some audio at me full full screen, I'm like, I get one step closer to uninstalling that app. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it is a black hole that app. I can I understand why it's very enticing for people who have extremely um, insane needs for like short attention span, like gratification. The trick is to mute the your phone audio before you open the app. That's I have yes. like a checklist, and it's like okay, post Instagram and then mute phone, post on TikTok. <laughs> works pretty well so uh gold all right well thanks for watching and uh we'll catch you on the next one peace